Just gonna run this dog to see if we can find any type of uh, human remains that are left. Listen to Where Secrets Go to Die, The Disappearance of Derek Hennigan. From the Detroit Free Press, a new podcast set in the woods of Michigan's Upper Peninsula. Available on Apple, Spotify, Freep.com, or wherever you get your podcasts. You lose two alpha male leaders in Drew Brees and Sean Payton, and everybody's expecting the Saints to, as you're saying, tank, start over, hit the reset button. It's got to happen, right? And Loomis says, no, no, thank you. We're going to plow forward. We're going to trade draft capital. We're going to splash in free agency. We'll kick the can down the road on a few contracts, and we'll figure it out. Anybody out there waiting for Saints GM Mickey Loomis to hit the reset button to tank? I'd be waiting for a little bit longer now after this Derek Carr deal. The Saints are going nowhere anytime soon. They're making a play for the NFC South. We've got thoughts on that here coming up, but first of all, welcome to the show. Ryan O'Leary here along with John Sigler. It's the Saints Wire podcast. It's uh, it's great to be back on here with you, John. It's been a couple of weeks. We've been enjoying the, uh, well, it's never super slow with the Saints, but enjoying the, um, the break in February a little bit before things heat up. It's definitely cooking with the Saints with the Derek Carr news, but first and foremost, how the hell are you, man? Oh man, I'm doing great. You know, you know, I've uh, picked up some new sneakers lately and, uh, just, just having a great time enjoying a, a relatively slow part of the, of the Saints offseason. I'm glad it's ramping up now, though. We got free agency coming up in, here in just a few days, and uh, I'm, I'm excited, man. It's, it's an exciting time to be covering this team. Absolutely. It's relatively slow, but we've had a big week with Derek Carr um, officially signing his four year contract with the team. It's worth $150 million, $100 million in guarantees, AKA John. The Saints keep stunning everybody by signing these big name players every single offseason while being projected to be over the salary cap, right? Like folks just cannot catch on to what the Saints are doing, but eventually they will. Uh, but it's another one of those situations, right? The the Saints, they're in this like everyone's saying they're in cap hell, but oh, look, we've we've signed Derek Carr to a four year $150 million contract. Yeah, man. Yeah, the, the Saints got their guy. They won the Derek Carr super sweepstakes, and uh, they, they could not be happier about it. Uh, listen, they see him as a top 15, top 12 quarterback. Like they, they, they see him as someone who is a substantial upgrade over Jameis Winston, over Andy Dalton, over Trevor Simeon, over Taysom Hill, over Ian Book. I, it's depressing to list all, all of these quarterbacks of Saints past here um, for, for who they're moving on from. So, look. So, yeah, it, it, the Saints are excited about this move. And like you said, the financials are confusing a lot of people. The, the way that this deal is structured is that it is really a two-year, $70 million contract. They have an exit ramp installed three years in, in 2025, where they can pivot, get out of this deal if, if things go south, and they're left with you know minimal dead money left left behind just from the way it's structured and you know when you go under the hood on this thing and you look at the the per year payouts and the guarantees and everything you know really you know people see that that massive average of 37 and a half million per year yeah that's kind of a stretch because there's like i believe it's 50 million dollars written in as his base salary for 20 for 2026 that that's four years in um, and that was written in purely to raise the per year average and, and for, for those bragging rights of saying that he's now the, the 10th highest paid QB or whatever it is. Um, so, yeah, 
So there, there's a lot of funny money here. Uh, there's a lot of smoke and mirrors here. It, it's kind of what we've come to expect from the Saints. And at, at this point, you know, it has to be willful, willful, willful ignorance to not understand what the Saints are doing with their salary cap, how they're making it happen. Go to overthecap.com. Go to spottrack.com. I mean, these resources are out there. Every, all of this is public information. It's not like, you know, a, a Ponzi scheme that man in the wig said on ESPN the other day. Um it, it, it's it's a real it, it, yeah it, it's it's all you know above the board and all uh, you know perswant with the the the, the CBA and it, it, you know it's I'll say this it's it's good to have an owner who's willing to give the GM just a stack of blank checks every offseason and say do do what you got to do and and let, let's let's put a team out that can that is entertaining that's fun to watch that can, you know, keep fans in uh, showing up every every Sunday. Cuz there's a lot of teams around this league that are not in that place. Oh, that's 100% it. You just that's one, that's the easiest way to describe to people how are the Saints doing it? It's because ownership's okay with spending the real money. Not don't worry about the cap numbers. That that some of that is just like, you know, it's just not real, I guess, right? Cuz it can be manipulated, but the real money is real and if the owners are willing to write those checks as you said, John, this is how you can keep doing it. And we have more more thoughts on on Mickey Loomis and, and what the Saints um, have done year in, year out, even past Sean Payton and Drew Brees. And we'll get to that. But I want to get your just give me your take on how Saints fans are reacting to you know some of the stuff you guys are tweeting, some of the stuff you're working on for Saints Wire, John. Like, what's the reaction from the fan base? Uh, for me, uh, from the outside looking in, you know, not sure how much Derek Carr moves the needle for me. Um, I do think he's an upgrade. I, I get that. I get why Saints fans are excited. He's an upgrade over Andy Dalton. Don't get yeah. me wrong. That's definitely the, you know, but is he, is he a Matt Stafford or Tom Brady who comes in and leads you to a Super Bowl right away? I, I don't know. Um, I'm not sure if he's moving the needle that much for me, but what's, what's the, the fans reaction so far? You know, it's kind of lukewarm because, you know, this is a fan base that saw the Saints shut down Carr in, in a 24 to zip uh, win at, at the Superdome just a few months ago. So th- they're like, ah, this guy's not really that good. And they go and look at, they look, look at his uh, resume and he, he's never won a playoff game. And he, he's a, uh, oh, he's, he's a pro bowler, but pro bowl alternate. And it, it's, there, there's a lot of hesitance to embrace him, I think. But, you know, if, look, if he can get this team w- back in, into its winning ways and if, if he can you know, start the season strong, I, I think he'll win over his doubters pr- fairly quickly. I will say this. Uh, the news that broke on Tuesday, you know, within 24 hours of the Saints signing Derek Carr and, and the fans are saying, oh, we, we, we're paying how much for this guy? Within 24 hours, Geno Smith and Daniel Jones both signed extensions that are, are comparable and, and in Jones' case, uh, significantly more lucrative than what the Saints are paying uh, for Derek Carr. And that did a lot to kind of pacify <laughs> the, the, the fans who, who were a little upset at the per year amount and all that. Because, um, you know, you know, I don't mean this disrespectfully, neither of those guys are as accomplished in the NFL as Derek Carr is. Uh, Jones specifically, it kind of, you know, we, we've, the New York media machine has been talking this guy up um, all year. And it's like, are, are y'all grading him on a curve? Because I mean, he, he threw fewer touchdown passes than games he played. Like he, he cannot average one TD pass per one game played in his career. And, <laughs> and this is the guy you're paying 40 million a year for. So, you know, just given the state of the market, um, I think saints fans are a bit more accepting now a few days in than they were initially. 
Uh, and that's going to continue once some of these young, great quarterbacks get, get their own paydays. You know, Lamar Jackson, Joe Burrow, Justin Herbert. Over the next year, we're going to see each of those guys get the money that they've earned. That's going to push Derek Carr's contract down the rankings or around the league. And it, it, that deal is going to look pretty, pretty great in, in just a few years. I'll say that much. Yeah. One thing that I struggle with, John, it's like, I don't get why fans need to be pacified when it comes to caring this much about what guys are getting paid. Like Derek Carr's making 25 million or 30 million or 40. Who the hell cares? Right. Like once it gets to like 20, like you just said funny money earlier, right? It's all funny money at this point, right? That's what the NFL pays their quarterbacks. It's going to keep going up. So yes, Mm -hmm. guys like Daniel Jones, guys like Derek Carr, who are below the top 10 in the NFL, probably they're not in the top 10, but they're hovering around that area. This is what they go for. Whatever. Like, why do fans get so upset about Derek Carr making 30 million, Daniel Jones making 40? Like, to me, it's like, that's hilarious to me that people get so hot and bothered that they're making this much money when really, to me, as just a a human being, anything over like a million dollars is like unfathomable. So once you get to 20, 30, 40, like, I don't care. Personally, I don't care that Derek Carr is making 30 million. Makes perfect sense to me in terms of the NFL market. But yeah, every time a guy that's not in the maybe in the upper echelon that's not Patrick Mahomes Josh Allen whatever they sign these big contracts it's like this big uproar i do find that hilarious every offseason when it happens yeah you know people think it's their money that's being spent (laughs) they do there is a valid perspective on this here where if you're a fan who you know you know there are fans who they invest thousands of of dollars out of their own pocket into this team where whether it's buying tickets buying merch uh, traveling to, to for games um you know, they're about it and they want to feel like that investment they're making is paying off with a good experience and entertaining games and a reason to hope that, you know, that their favorite team can go the distance someday. And as far and as far as that goes, I, I think that, that the Saints are probably better than a lot of teams around the league in you know, rewarding that it. it by and what I mean by that is they're trying to be competitive and they're trying to, to get a quarterback they feel can win games and they're paying out you know just massive sums of money uh, each year as active spending with it, with all these restructures and signing bonuses uh, in order to, to put a quality team together so they're putting in the effort and I, and then you see other teams around the league who who were tanking and who are you know trading and cutting ever all their veterans and using the salary cap as an excuse to uh, save money on payroll for their billionaire owner. Um, and and that, that's kind of sad. So I, I am glad that the saints are, you know, put are paying up and make, making an effort. We, we can agree or disagree on whether Carr is the right guy for this job and whether it's going to work out, but at least the saints are putting that energy and putting those resources into figuring out whether that answer is correct. 100%, right? Because it's really easy, John, to go searching for articles where people are calling Mickey Loomis crazy, misguided, chaotic, like whatever, like pick the adjective, right? People are saying yeah. that, you know, Loomis is just, he's just a, he's just a wild man. And you lose two alpha male leaders in Drew Brees and Sean Payton. And everybody's expecting the Saints to, as you're saying, tank, start over, hit the reset button. It's got to happen, right? And Loomis says, no, no, thank you. We're going to plow forward. We're going to trade draft capital. We're going to splash in free agency. We'll kick the can down the road on a few contracts and we'll figure it out. Right? We'll figure it out. And yeah. uh, I was talking to you about that. I'm like, isn't this wild how this continues to happen year after year and, and Loomis keeps plowing forward? And you said, hey, look, man, 
I appreciate that, right? That's basically what your yeah. reaction was. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Look, sports are entertainment, and this is an entertaining strategy. I don't want to have to sit here and watch some, you know, miserable coaching staff who, who everybody knows they're going to get fired at the end of the season. Uh, you, you know, try and tough it out and put on a brave face, and w- watching players ha- have to lose a year of their careers, um, tanking a season, and uh, have all these fan favorite players get cut and shipped out of town. You know, look, look, look at what the Buccaneers are doing. We talked about this before the show as well. That this is a great example uh, within the own, within the same division in very similar circumstances to what the other strategy is here, where the Saints lost a Hall of Fame quarterback to retirement and they're still going all in and they're trying to to stay competitive and they're investing those resources. The Bucks lost a Hall of Fame quarterback and they're cutting all they're cutting as many veteran players as they can and they're selling off assets and. They're trying to, to take their medicine with the cap charges this year instead of spreading it out. Um, and th- and they're probably going to start someone like Kyle Trask or Drew Locke for, for 17 games in the fall. God bless them. Um, and that's just not that's not going to be fun for anybody. That's not going to be fun for the fans in Tampa Bay. That's not going to be fun for the players on that roster. That's not going to be fun for the coaches who have to hope that you know, they still have a job this time next year. And so speaking a little selfishly as someone who, you know, covers the team and watches every week, I would much rather know that the team is trying to win games and they're trying to max out their resources. They're they're maxing out their credit card to try and win football games because that's what we're in the business of here. We're not in the business of, you know, saving penny pinching and um, saying, oh, well, you know, we'll, we'll have a healthier, a quote unquote, healthier salary cap situation next year. So, just bear with us, be miserable for the next nine months and, or not nine to 11 months, however long this has to play out. And uh, then, then we'll, we'll, we'll offer you a good time at the end. Now, nothing is guaranteed in the future. And I would much rather, you know, be dealing with a team like the saints. That's very much living in the present. Yeah. I think that's a great way to put it. And never mind the fact that the NFC South is there for the taking. So why not go, why not go, go get it, go get it. Uh, so yeah, so I think that's a great way to look at it. And, you know, going back to the contract with Carr and fans being, you know, kind of miffed about what he's making, what Daniel Jones is making. It's like, this is, this is market value. I don't think the saints overpaid for Derek Carr. I mean, I look at, I look at the giants is, is Daniel Jones, should he be making 40 million a year? Probably not. But you're looking at a player who, who went went into the, uh, this time last year, John had no future, right? I mean, he, they had declined his fifth year option. He had, he had nothing going for him. He basically had to ball out. I mean, what he did, he didn't pass for a lot of yards, but he did rush for 700 yards and seven touchdowns. So that helped his cause, I think. And he got, he played so well and he won a playoff game for the Giants on the road. And they got to the point where they're like, crap, we can't lose our quarterback. We got to pay out the nose for this kid. (laughs) They had to. And it's like the player won, you know, it wasn't the team winning. It was the player. So Jones kind of turned the table on the Giants as a football fan. I think that's great. I'm yeah. not mad that Daniel Jones is making 40 million. I could care less. Um, I don't yeah, get fans. That, yeah, exactly. I don't. I don't get the fans that are mad about that. But anyway, um, with Derek Carr being in, I think people going back and forth on does he move the needle enough? I mean, me personally, I'm not sure. I think the Saints believe he can, and I'll take their word for it. Um, mm-hmm. It's definitely possible. He could. He could be the difference. He could be the leadership change they need at quarterback. I, I could see that that happening. But it does feel, and I think you agree with this because I've seen your tweets. And your stuff on uh, specifically on the kid from Tennessee, Hendon Hooker, the quarterback that's going to be in the draft here. My uh, guy. It screams to me that it's, this is a double down opportunity for the Saints, right? You signed Derek Carr. 
Um, as you said earlier, John, there the team can get out of his contract after three years. There's that non-guaranteed two years. Two years. Okay, my my bad. Two years. Yeah. There's that non-guaranteed fifty million dollar base salary. That's as you said, the funny money, which they can just get out of, mm-hmm. or or restructure. So double down in the draft, right? Get a young kid in here that's got some better upside than a than an Ian Book, right? Get a get a get a, get a good <laughs> yeah, rookie. So, yeah. Get a good rookie quarterback in here who can learn the playbook and be ready to maybe have a real succession plan in place um, and kind of do that on the fly with Derek Carr. I, I think that makes a lot of sense. Double down the draft, preferably this one, right? This one coming up in April. Yeah, that would be nice. So the, the way that, you know, th- this information could be outdated by the time that this podcast goes up. That, that, that's just the, the way the news cycle is this time of the year. But right now, the only quarterbacks under contract for New Orleans in 2023 are Derek Carr, Jameis Winston, and Jake Luton or Luton, a practice squad guy. And Jameis is probably going to be released here soon. Like th- there's almost no doubt that's what's coming. We're just kind of waiting to see when that happens and how it happens. You know, w- will he get that, that post June 1st designation where the saints save more money, um, but he gets to become a free agent now. I don't know. We'll cross that bridge when we get to it. But at any, at any rate, they need, they need another QB. They could bring back Andy Dalton on the cheap again, very likely. Um, but I would rather them invest in the draft and get someone like Hendon Hooker, who is, you know, a very intelligent young man. He has a great understanding of the game. He, he has seen every defense the SEC can throw at him over the last two years, and he's beaten all of them. I mean, I mean, he, he threw, what, five touchdown passes, uh, six on Alabama last season on, on a defense full of first-round picks. Um, he has a live arm, and, I mean, and, and I know that he's on the Saints' radar. They met with him extensively at the Senior Bowl in Mobile uh, earlier the, early in February. They met with him again at the, at, at the combine. Uh, they're, they're keeping really close tabs on him, and they have a history of drafting guys from Tennessee. They have some of his former teammates on the roster right now. He, he spoke with our uh, uh, our contributor Ross Jackson was at the combine interviewing him at, at, at media day, and he, and Hooker mentioned, yeah, you know, hey, me and Elante Taylor had lunch in California last week. Um, so he, he was kind of letting me know what things are like in New Orleans, what he experienced uh, going through the pre-draft process with them, and. Uh, we're all, we're all on the same page here. So there's a lot of connections being drawn between Hendon Hooker and the Saints. To me, he looks like someone that they that they should take a look at on the second day of the draft. They're you know possibly as early as the 40th pick. I, again, speaking selfishly here, I would like to wait and see if he's still around at 71. Um, they're in the third rounds because he, he, realistically he's not going to play this year because you had that established quarterback and Derek Carr. Hendon Hooker's not going to get on the field in, in, in the perfect world. Uh, you know, you want you don't want him getting on the field because uh, that means something terrible has happened. Um, but so if you can get two immediate contributors, uh, say you get a defensive tackle at 29 and a running back at 40, and having those two guys in ha, that you know you can lean on, that you know are going to play heavy snaps for you this year, then you can make a bit of a luxury pick and get your QB. And l- l- like we discussed earlier, the structure of this contract with Derek Carr um, Hooker could, you know, get those practice reps for two years, and then he has a shot to start in year three. And I think that that is a very attractive pro- uh, proposition, both for the Saints and for him. We got to remember he's coming off of a season-ending knee injury at, for, for, from Tennessee back in mid-November, and he's still recovering from that. He's hoping to be cleared by training camp. We'll wait and see. But if you have that established QB in Derek Carr, he doesn't have to rush. He doesn't have to hurry back. He doesn't have to risk uh, aggravating that injury, and he's going. And then your starter gets the, the reps he needs, and then you have your guy waiting in the wings. You know, 
as a uh, a contingency plan in a few years if need be. So, in look, if nothing else, it's worth having a quality backup. I I, I keep coming back to this comparison with this move. It's kind of like when the Eagles signed Carson Wentz to that massive contract extension and then immediately drafted Jalen Hurts in the second round. Um, And obviously that worked out well for them. So maybe this could work out in a similar fashion for the Saints. They got backup quarterback uh, figured out, John, right? Because they could have Derek Carr, Jameis Winston, Andy Dalton, and Taysom Hill on the roster if they wanted. Right? <laughs> no, no, just kidding. Hey, never say never. Never I say mean, never. Yeah, no, I, I agree. I, I, it's, it's unfortunate, but I believe Jameis is going to hopefully get a, a chance elsewhere. Uh, I hope so yeah. because you know, just having seen the work he put in these these last few years and doing everything that he could to hang on with the Saints and compete and make his case, it, it just it still feels like he got a raw deal. You know, whether it's the injuries or coaching decisions. I think he deserved better than he got here with, in New Orleans. And I really do hope, hope that he finds success wherever he lands up next. Yep, I echo that. Um, so, yeah, but but before we do get to the draft, which is, you know, about a month away now, over a month away, we got free agency. And that's coming. That's like right around the corner. Free agency yeah. starts on Monday. So Monday is like that legal tampering period where Adam Schefter just breaks all the news right? he just like has his his yeah, yeah. it's where he uh, it's where he sends out all these tweets that he's had in his drafts uh, <laughs> yeah. since he was at the combine yeah. in indianapolis talking to gms and agents and a, a lot of a lot of the ground a lot of the legwork has already been done people um, <laughs> yeah. this is where this is where this is whenever the the, the other side uh, us uh, this is whenever we find out what's already been agreed to in, in, in the steakhouses from around the, the indianapolis area um, so it's, it's going to be busy, man. It starts, uh, starts Monday afternoon and, uh, no, rem- remember, let, let, let's recap this real, real quick, Ryan. Um, the way this, the system plays out in case, in case you're new, in case you're new or, or just don't remember starting on Monday, there is this legal tampering period where teams and players can negotiate with each other. They can reach verbal agreements Nothing can be signed. Nothing can be reported to the league office uh, for, for you know confirmation. Um, but this is whenever things really pick up because this is the first time that they are you know legally allowed to talk shop with each other. And then Monday afternoon, yeah. So that's Monday. That that continues Tuesday. That continues Wednesday morning. Wednesday afternoon, three p.m. Central Time. That's whenever they ring the bell, and that's whenever the new league fiscal year starts, and that's when pins can be put to paper, and that's whenever everything really pops off because that's when it becomes official, and all of these agreements turn into signings, and trades are reported to the league office and made official, and that that's whenever it really uh, begins in earnest, and that that's whenever we really start to pick, to pick up momentum. So it's going to be a busy week; it, it always is. I cannot wait for it to get here so I can stop writing about about, about uh, speculation and suggestions. <laughs> and projections and all this. And we can talk about what, what really matters and what's really happening for sure. Yeah. And, and usually what Adam Schefter and those guys, and it's built for social media. This one thing I think the NFL has gotten right, right. They could just own social media for a few days and that's what they, that's what they do on that Monday and they, and that Tuesday. And usually what's reported, um, you know, when Adam Schefter breaks that so-and-so is going to so-and-so it's usually, that's usually what happens. Yeah. Uh, or if they flip, we usually learn that on social media before Wednesday afternoon anyway. So, yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah so who, who was, was it? Uh, was it Anthony Barr that backed out of the agreement with the Jets a few years ago? I believe so. Yeah. I think Randy Gregory had something to with Randy the Broncos Gregory as well. Cowboys. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. So, so this, this happens. There, there's always one or two guys who reach an initial agreement and then they, and then they back out of it and goes and go somewhere else. They, they get cold feet or 
whatever it is. So that, that's why, you know, if, hey, if, you, if you're paying attention to our headlines, we don't say that the Saints are signing somebody until they actually do, because these things, these agreements can fall apart and, and it, you, you don't want to put out bad information. So it's going to be a busy period and we'll, we'll be covering all of it here at Saints Wire. The Saints have their solution to quarterback. We've been talking about it. We'll continue to talk about it, I'm sure, John, as we uh, go through the offseason. But now what, right? Now what? Um, I know you you like the idea of re-signing Juwan Johnson, uh, who's a tight end, who's kind of a hybrid wide receiver almost, the way he played for the Saints last year, right? I mean, he was such an important player for them. Yeah, he, he is the receiving tight end. Um, and his career started as a receiver. That He, he played wide out in college at, at Oregon and Penn State. Uh, and then this, he got to the Saints and they said, hey man, uh, we love your size, but if you can add like 20, 25 pounds, we think you could be a really productive tight end for us. And he did, and he, he broke out last year. And now he's a restricted free agent. And uh, as, as you're about to say before I interrupted you, he, he, the Saints have a lot of options in holding on to him. Yeah, for sure. So I guess where I was going, my question for you, John, was I know you like him as a priority. I know he was a very important player for the Saints last year, but there is some like smoke or buzz that the Saints want to upgrade. Maybe I guess the question is, are they satisfied with Johnson as tight end one or do they want to upgrade there, in your opinion, going into the official start of free agency here. Well, there's been a, there has been a lot of buzz about them looking at tight ends, looking at free agents, looking at the draft. And, and this is a very deep draft class at tight end. Um, and that's kind of the question is, is, do they, you know, are they really as happy with Johnson's development as we are on the outside looking in? Um, or are they looking to upgrade from Adam Troutman as, as the number two tight end? And that, that's where I lean because I can't look at how Johnson played last year, look at the tape, look at the stats, look, look, look at how he performed, and say that this is a guy we need to upgrade from. Because to me, he is a player on the rise. He's someone they need to invest in, and they should be able to retain him. You know, they have all the all these options with uh, the restricted free agent tenders system, and we've seen them in a similar position in the past work, work out long-term extensions with guys in his position. And I, I think that's going to be, I think that's going to get done. I, I really am optimistic about that. Um, as far as Troutman, you know, he has not developed. He, he's still kind of the same guy he was in year one after year three. And I just don't know that, you know, he, he's got it in him to take that next step. So it would make a lot of sense to kind of upgrade that spot, get someone who's a more reliable blocker who offers more as a receiver um, someone who's maybe a better athlete in that position. And to me, there, there's a lot of options. You, you know, I don't know that someone like, you know, Mike Gazicki, for example, would fit them, would fit the mold there because they want someone who can block, you know, the blocking tight end plays a very important role in this offense. Uh, we've seen that with Taysom Hill and what happens when he's unavailable. <laughs> um, so if you could get someone who can fulfill the same responsibilities Trout, Troutman does, uh, but be more effective in that role. I, I think that's worth pursuing. And th- they're going to have a lot of options here in free agency and in the draft. One guy I'm keeping a close eye on, Foster Moreau, former LSU tight end. But more importantly, he played with Derek Carr in Las Vegas. And he, he's a, a kind of an underrated player at that position. He's a good blocker. Uh, I know Jeff Ireland was a fan of his coming out of the draft a few years back. So I, I could see the Saints bringing him in. Um, as far as the draft itself goes, you know, it would be a bit of a luxury pick. I, I know there's fans who wouldn't like it, uh, but Michael Mayer out of Notre Dame would make a ton of sense for this team. You know, he's probably the most experienced run blocker in the draft as far as reps at the college level. Um, he's also a dominant uh, pass catching tight end. Uh, you know, he he led the nation in first down conversions as a receiver. He 
oh gosh, he, he's just so impressive in contested catch situations. Makes a ton of sense for the for the, for, for this team. Uh, another guy getting a lot of attention is uh, Darnell Washington from UGA. Um, he, he he has everything but the production. You know, he has the size and the speed and the measurables, and you, you can see him making an instant impact as a blocker. Uh, the question is whether he has the, the chops to be a consistent receiver. But again, if he's replacing Adam Troutman instead of Jawan Johnson, that's not as much of a concern. Yeah, I, I feel that. So yeah, Jawan Johnson's a guy, I would like to see him back, John. I'm with you on that. And then another yeah. guy who seems to, well, he doesn't have a clear future with the Saints at this point. We're not really sure how it's going to play out, but we know he's a fan of Derek Carr's Michael Thomas, right? So what what do you see there? What's your gut reaction to Michael Thomas and his potential future? <laughs> Yeah, you know, whenever the uh, the Saints uh, signed Derek Carr and um, Mike's reaction was to tweet out, thank you, Jesus, um, that, <laughs> that really seems to set the tone, doesn't it? Um, I, yeah, 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 he, he, he's a fan. He's ready to start the car. Um, yeah, it, it, this feels like a, like a situation with some momentum behind keeping Michael Thomas in New Orleans. Now, there's a lot of hurdles ahead here. There's a deadline with... Uh, the start of the new league year on on the fifteenth, where um, his contract voids and he and there, there's going to be a ton of dead money moving around, and there's all these uh, poison pills written into the contract. I, I think if he's still on the roster on March seventeenth, the Saints owe him like thirty one million dollars next year, something crazy like that. So th- this is you know set up for him to be released from from that deal um, er- early on now. That doesn't mean he won't, he can't come back. You know, probably he'll want to test the market, see if he can get a, a just a, a crazy contract offer from from some desperate team. If that doesn't materialize, and I could t- I could totally see him coming back to New, to New Orleans and pl- and playing on like a modest salary with a ton of incentives. See if he can finally stay healthy and reestablish himself as the best receiver in this in this league. I, I can absolutely see that happening. So, like like I said, there's a lot of hurdles ahead. There's some challenges to pulling that off. Uh, but I think both sides are motivated to getting that done. Yeah, the, the, the thank you, Jesus comment de- definitely was uh, telling. And Derek Carr, <laughs> you know, he can he could throw the rock. And he had a big year with Devontae Adams over in Vegas this past year, right? Those two hooked up quite a bit. So uh, Michael Thomas, you could prosper with Derek Carr. I could definitely see that. So it'll be interesting to see what happens uh, on those front. And then maybe on the defensive side, just um, in terms of some of the key unrestricted free agents uh, the Saints have that are potential flight risks, um, you know, one one big name, John, is Marcus Davenport. Um, so, I mean, he's probably projected, if you believe Spotrack, I mean, projected to get like a twenty plus million a dollar, twenty plus million dollar a year contract uh, from somebody, right? But just given the way that twenty twenty two ended for Davenport and the Saints, it it does feel like he's headed elsewhere. That's just my gut feeling, and and I think mm-hmm. you feel the same way judging by some of the stuff on state's wire. Yeah. You know, that, that feels like a split is coming and it's unfortunate, but man, I I think Davenport really badly needs a change of scenery. I think he's got to, I I think it would do him well to start over fresh somewhere else and have different, have different expectations and different responsibilities and have a different, you know, supporting cast and, and support, and just a different support system entirely around him. I, I think he's someone who could really benefit uh, just from, from being in, in a new environment a, a, after being in, in New Orleans the last few years. And, you know, it's unfortunate given how 
things have played out with his injuries and inconsistencies and um, that kind of goofy ejection in there in, there in the, in, in the week 18, um, you know, it, it, you, you would like to, to see things play out better. And look, he could, he could still return to the saints. Maybe the money's not there in free agency, but players with his skills and his athleticism don't become available very often, especially at a, you know, a premium position like, like a pass rushing defensive end. So I think he's going to, going to have some pretty wild offers once he hits the market. And I would be surprised if he's back in New Orleans this time next year. Yeah. I'm expecting him to get a bag of money. <laughs> that's, that's kind of how it works uh, for an edge rusher like him. So yeah, I feel like he's, he's a flight risk as well. How about David on Yamada, right? Um, how big of a priority should re-signing on Yamada be John, right? Definitely not, probably not as a high profile of a player, not as high profile as a position, right? Interior defensive line as Davenport. Uh, but he's a player, as you wrote on Saints Wire, I mean, the Saints scouted this player, developed him, uh, gave him a second contract, right? So, like, why not try to keep him? You know, he's been he's been kind of a, a homegrown talent. Uh, and if the price is right, you know, why not? Why let Anyamata go if you can help it? Yeah, you know, I would love to have to bring him back um, if if the price is right. And I, I think he'll be more affordable than his last contract, just because he's had some some down down years. His production has kind of trailed off a bit, but um, you know possibly stemming from the PED suspension that he served a few years back. Uh, <laughs> maybe that played a factor. I don't know. I'm not going to speculate one way or another. Uh, but at the end of the day, he was their best defensive tackle last year. He knows the system. He was drafted here, developed here. Um, I would like to see him finish his career in black and gold. I think I think he's very effective up front with, with Cameron Jordan, and I would like to keep him in the building. Um, so, yeah, to me, he and Joan Johnson, those are probably your two biggest in-house priorities. And hope you got to hope that they can work something out and, and hold on to him. Um, but we'll, we'll kind of have to wait and see what options are out there. there there's a lot of talented uh, veteran defensive tackles available in free agency. This is a deep class at defensive tackles. So maybe the money's not there. Maybe he and the Saints can work out something to keep him in town. Yeah, so I'm definitely fascinated to hear going forward over the next week or so, John. Jawan Johnson, Michael Thomas, Marcus Davenport, Anyamata, what happens? It's going to be fascinating to see how it plays out. But uh, you were telling me fans are sweating out a different player, right? Caden uh, Ellis. Yeah. Saints fans are just sweating that this that this linebacker is going to get away. And you found that kind of comical, right? Tell us why. Yeah, man. Look, I don't want to make light of the. Well, no, I, I am making light of this, actually. I, I don't want to hurt anyone's feelings here. Okay. So Caden Ellis played really well when, it, when he came off the bench this past season. Uh, but it's not like he was some superstar just waiting in the wings this whole time. Like, like he was limited to special teams for three years before he got before he got his opportunity. The Saints drafted guys to, deliberately to play ahead of him, like Zach Bond and Pete Werner. Um, they signed Quan Alexander to play ahead of this guy. Like, like they they knew who he was. They knew what role he would do well in, and it just was not a role that they used often enough to get him on the field. So, you, you know, I, I hope he does well. I hope I hope he gets a great contract in free agency. I just don't have any expectation that it's going to happen with the Saints because just the way things are set up right now, you have Demario Davis as your, as your starting linebacker. Pete Werner, when he's healthy, is your number two. You can't justify paying Ellis what he's earned if he's going to be on the bench because the Saints, they just don't play with three linebackers often enough to justify the cost. And that could change, but you're not going to change your whole defensive scheme uh, for your third linebacker. Like that's just not realistic. And I, I don't expect that, that to be the case. And, you know, it, 
if he does go elsewhere, which is my expectation, I don't think it's the end of the world for the Saints. You know, he he was not an every down defender the way Marcus Williams was. He was not a you know a dynamic pass rusher who who was was more of a proven quality like Trey Hendrickson was. You know, he's closer to just in, in using our metaphor of other defenders the Saints have lost in recent years. He he's closer to Alex Anzalone and. Uh, you know, Von Bell than he is those uh, those other guys who, who are who are Pro Bowl talents. So I hope he does well wherever he goes. I, I don't think it'll be with the Saints, and I don't think the Saints should, you know, pay the price he's probably seeking in, in order to hold on to him. So the, the, you you can find linebackers in this league. They found Ellis as a six as a sixth round pick out of Idaho. So they, they can find more guys like him. Don't, don't worry, it'll, it'll it'll be fine, people. Well, we're all worried, John. We don't know what's coming, right? And it's a few. We got a we got a few days to rest and hydrate and get ready for Monday, and then yeah. I mean, what are you guys at Saints Wire? Uh, how do you guys cover that? You just put the live feed of Adam Schefter's tweets on on Saint. Like, what what do we do? We're just all refreshing Twitter, right? That's pretty much how Monday works. Yeah. So, well, I'm gonna. It's gonna start for me uh, actually Saturday. My daughter wants the new uh, Panda Dunks from Nike, um, <laughs> so I'm gonna be clocking in early Saturday morning and I'm just not going to leave my desk until probably Thursday afternoon. So <laughs> I, I'll, I'll be camping out over here. Um, <laughs> uh, but no, nah, man, it, it, it's going to be busy. Uh, you know, I'll be covering it. Ross Jackson will we'll, we'll be covering it uh, both here and on Locked On Saints. Um, you know, our, our other staff writers, uh, Dylan Sanders, Maddie Hudak, uh, Kate, Kistner, Kate Kistner, they'll all be in the mix as well. So it's going to be a busy a long weekend, a long, long week ahead for us. And uh, hey, with this team, it's always exciting. Absolutely. Always fun. So yeah, eyes glued to Saints Wire for the latest there. Um, that's where it's all going to be happening. And uh, John, if if big news happens, big moves happen, we'll have to squeeze it. We'll have to squeeze in another quick podcast, I think, next week just to see, uh, just to kind of react to what the Saints yeah. do, especially if they make some moves here in the first wave. Do you think they'll be active or do you think they'll be kind of maybe hold their water till the second wave. Like, what do you think? Do you think we'll see some, some activity from the saints in the first couple of days? Yeah. I don't think they're going to get involved with any of the really big names on the market. Um, I, I do think they're going to be, they'll be, they'll be busy. They'll be involved as always, but they're not going to be looking to make a really splashy signing or anything like that. I don't think, but Hey, we never know. I mean, I, I, I didn't expect them to get Jerry's bird way back when, and I, I had my reservations about them being able to get Derek Carr this time. And they proved me wrong twice. Uh, maybe they can do it. Maybe they can do it again. So it, it'll be fun to watch, see how it all shakes out, see what kind of moves uh, they make as far as losing guys, uh, see what new players arrive in the NFC South. Um, I just can't wait to see it all, see how it all shakes out. Yeah. Same here. It's, it's always hard to predict exactly what the saints are going to do, John. Right. So we'll just, uh, We'll just kind of watch along with everybody else and then try to react to it uh, when it happens. (laughs) (laughs) So for John, I'm Ryan O'Leary. Thanks for joining us on the show this week. We'll catch you next time. This USA Today Sports Podcast has been presented by USA Today's Sports Media Group and is available in your favorite podcast store. Make sure to subscribe for weekly updates, the latest fantasy picks from Corey Bonini, and the Huddle Podcast, Inside the Weekly Line, with Sportsbook Wire's Jeff Clark and Eston McLaren, and the Bet Slippin' Podcast. We'll see you again next week.
Just gonna run this dog to see if we can find any type of uh, human remains that are left. Listen to Where Secrets Go to Die, The Disappearance of Derek Hennigan. From the Detroit Free Press, a new podcast set in the woods of Michigan's Upper Peninsula. Available on Apple, Spotify, Freep.com, or wherever you get your podcasts.